Amen. Well, we're in Romans 12 today, and man, we're getting a good early start today. I really do want to have an afterglow time, so be, um, you know, praying about, thinking about what the Lord would uh, have you to share with the body. We're, in fact, we're talking about the gifts uh, in Romans chapter 12. We talked about that last week, so we want to not just talk about it, we want to actually exercise the gifts of the Spirit. And, and so, remember, you're an important part of the body. You come and you receive from the Lord, but you also give to the Lord, right? So every part of the body is important. And you might think, well, what I have to say isn't that important. And, um, you know, that's like saying your, your thumb isn't important. Well, it is important. It, you know, every part of your body is important and, and needed. It's the same way in the body of Christ. You are needed you need us and we need you. So encourage you to just be praying uh, what the Lord would have you to share with the body of Christ. And actually on Wednesday nights, we've been doing this for a few weeks now where we just go around the table and people can share what they've been hearing from the Lord during the week, right? We should all be having devotions, spending time with the Lord. You know, sometimes we wonder like, why is my spiritual life out of whack. And I always tell people, like, look at the fundamentals. First of all, you know, are, have you received Jesus as your savior? Are you pursuing Jesus in his word every day? Are you spending time with him? How are you learning to hear from God on your, you know, on your own? So is that a priority in your life? And you'll find a lot of times when you get your priorities right in your relationship with God, a lot of other things kind of get fall into place, don't they? Yeah. So, uh, important. So that's what we're doing on Wednesday. I encourage you all to come, and uh, it's a beautiful time to just hear from others, uh, you know, a little more in depth, because here, you know, you can't take 10 minutes and share necessarily. You know, you may, I may give you 10 minutes on a Sunday morning, but that's pretty unusual. But uh, on a Wednesday night, you know, we have a, a bit more time and a small group of people, so, you know, um, you can share more what God has been speaking to you. And Man, I'll tell you, it ministers to me. It might be just one little nugget that someone says, uh, like, oh, man, I needed to hear that. So that's what we're doing on Wednesdays. So Romans chapter 12, and today we're going to pick up in verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. 
Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For so, for in doing, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And Lord, we thank you as we look at your word, oh Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that we have ears to hear what your spirit says. Uh, you, we're so encouraged in your word to, to dig deep in your word, to meditate on it, Lord. And uh, that's what we're here to do this morning. Let your spirit speak to us. Uh, take each of these truths and show us maybe where we need to improve in one of these areas. Maybe we need to repent. Maybe we need to uh, certainly need to seek you out related to all these truths, Lord, and, and to uh, grow in them. And so we just pray you speak to each heart here in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're calling our teaching through Romans the Romans Revolution, where we really do believe that if, if you're going deep into the book of Romans, you're going to find truths that will radically revolutionize your life. And so we've been challenging the church to read, say, a chapter every day, the same chapter that we're going to be preaching on the next week. So hopefully this week you've been reading chapter 12 every day. And the benefit of that, of course, is that you're you're going to go deep into that chapter. You're going to start seeing truths that maybe you've never seen before, and you're asking God to speak to you. And certainly, Romans 1 through 8 are, are revolutionary chapters. They teach us how to walk with God. They teach us how to walk in power with God. They teach us that we're, we're a sinner. We need a Savior. Once we receive Jesus as our Savior and we understand our sins are forgiven, you know, based not based on anything we've done, but through the, his work on the cross, then Romans goes on to tell us and explain to us now how to walk in the resurrection life of Jesus. You know, if his death saved us, his life will give us power to walk with him every day. But these aren't things that are automatic that every Christian walks in. You have to have knowledge, like in... Um, Many times through Romans, Paul will say, do you not know this truth? So he's challenging us to say there's certain things you need to know, and if you don't know them, you're not going to exercise your faith in them. You're not going to walk in them. So it's, it's very important that you understand, as a Christian, you understand the truths of Romans and how to walk in the Spirit. That's where Romans, and, that's where Romans really takes you to the kind of the pinnacle of this, this book. I think the pinnacle of the Bible Romans 8, how to walk in the Spirit, quit depending on your own self, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's really a place of freedom. And Paul explains it. He says, well, if you're walking in the Spirit, you'll have life and peace. Do you want to have life and peace? I mean, what's contained in that word life? He's basically saying you can have an abundant life. You can have joy and power. If you learn to walk in the Spirit, there's life and peace. But if you're walking in the flesh as a Christian, what does he say? There's death. He doesn't mean you're going to drop over dead. He, he's talking about spiritual fruitlessness. You're, you, you're frustrated as a Christian. You're defeated. It's, it's death. It's not life. And we all know the difference, right? Because we can, we're kind of in and out of that, aren't we? You know, oh, I, I, I'm feeling life and peace today. I'm just, you know, I spent time with the Lord. I'm yielded to him. 
I'm meditating on him. Oh, there's just joy, there's power, there's peace. And then there are those days where whatever, you just strayed off the path and you're kind of a grump and you're just, oh, the world's against me and God's against me. And you're just not, your mindset is not in the right place. And that's what Paul talks about a lot, in, that those who walk in the flesh have, have a mindset toward the things of the flesh. You're just, you're just depending on yourself today. You just got off on the wrong foot. Get your mind and heart right before God. And I'm receiving from Jesus his grace, his, his power, his love through the cross, the power of the Spirit. So the reason I'm talking about that and we're introductory kind of into this section is that if you don't learn to walk in the Spirit and the power of God, you're not going to be able to walk in all these truths that I just read here in in Romans 12. These are kind of like, you notice, they're kind of like bullet point, just quick exhortations. Paul, you know, saying, uh, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kind, be diligent. It's almost like, uh, it's interesting how the Bible teaches us different ways. You know, sometimes it's an in-depth story about God's love, a couple chapters it covers, you know, maybe in the Old Testament. Other times God just says, love one another. Uh, love me, love one another. It's just kind of a bullet point reminder. And we need both, don't we? We need that list of, uh, you know, this would be a good thing to have, you know, somewhere in your house, uh, just a list of these things that I'm supposed to be doing. This is what my life is supposed to look like as a Christian. Basically, I believe what is God, God is telling us here. So you come, you come out of Romans 8, and now you're learning to walk in the Spirit. You're, you're, you're have experiencing life and peace. And, and now God is saying, now your life should look a certain way as a Christian. Uh, it's very challenging what God is calling us to. If you were listening to this list I just read, this is radically challenging on how we're to live as Christians. And so we're looking at this list of exhortations uh, and saying, wow, am I living that way? God, help me to live that way. You know, these should be goals that we have in our, in our lives. So we're walking in the Spirit, then we come into Romans 12, 1 and 2, and, and Paul's calling us to uh, present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world. We're being transformed by the renew, renewing of our mind. So we're responding to the great work of the cross the death, the resurrection, the power of the Spirit in our lives that we're walking in freely, you know, not because we're superstar Christians, because we're learning to receive His grace through the blood of Jesus, the power of His Spirit, it's all grace. But then out of that power, out of that receiving from God, should be a, a certain type of life that we live. And, and certainly it's a, it's a place of surrender, Romans 12, 1 and 2, a place of pursuing God and his word to renew our minds because we know we don't think right naturally. We have to die to the way we think and learn how God thinks. And that is not automatic. Again, a Christian who's lazy, who's not in the word of God, who's just kind of coasting, you're not going to be renewed in your mind. The world will overtake you, right? Aren't there forces coming against us? We got the, the flesh the world, the devil. Man, if we are not empowered from within and receiving the word of God and, and, and resisting those forces of evil all around us, you know, crucifying self daily, resisting the devil, uh, not conforming to the world, if we're not 
actively involved in, in our Christian growth and we're just coasting, we're not going to really grow. We're not going to really be of use to the Lord. And we all want to be used by the Lord, right? We all want to stand before him one day and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Man, if I hear that, when I hear that, I'm going to go, man, thank God. I've been living my whole life to hear that, Lord. I'm glad I heard that. He says, come on in, uh, enter into the joy of the Lord. Again, I don't think that's automatic for every Christian. I'm not saying you won't be saved, but for some, as the scripture says, it's like um, you made it in uh, like through fire, you know, like bursting through a wall of flames. You just got out of this burning house and, and, and were saved. And for some people, that's the way they're going to get into heaven. Like the Lord says, you can come in. I'm sorry, you're not going to really get any well done, but, you know, come on in and enjoy. And, you know, you're going to be regretful aren't you, that you did not live your life serving the Lord. And that's what I'm seeing here as, as we're going to go through these quickly today because I'm doing a long introduction. But again, we're just going to go through the bullet points. We're not going to give an in-depth sermon on each one, which you could. But what this is a picture of, it's a, an active Christian serving the Lord, living for the Lord, serving the Lord in the church, and you're saying, oh, pastor, you're just looking for more Sunday school teachers. You know, that's what you're leading up to. It's like, well, you know, you, we all got to serve where God's calling us to, right? The, you hear the gift, you hear the calling from God, and you say, uh, hey, here I am. I, I want to serve. I love when people, you know, come up to me. I had a, someone in the church come up to me last week and say, man, I just want to be used of the Lord wherever, you know, and say, that's, that's great. That's awesome. Let's see what God, what God does. So, this is a picture of church life. So you, you learned all these great doctrines. You've surrendered yourself to the Lord. And now what does your life look at, like as a Christian? Well, you're, you're very much involved with God's people. You're involved in his church. That's what I'm reading here. I'm not just making this up because I'm a pastor and I want you to come to church. This is what I'm seeing. You know, you study it for yourself. Paul is saying, okay, here's all these doctrines. This is what God has done for you. Now, this is how you're supposed to live. And it's in the context of getting involved with God's people, using your gifts to minister to God's people. And then toward the end of this chapter, we're gonna, it, it gets into how do we relate to the world. So we're not just inwardly focused on our, our Christian brothers and uh, sisters. That's important. If you're not doing that, you're not going to be strong enough to go outside and reach the world. But it's going to tell us here how do we relate to the world so church life is important. So verse 9, Romans 12, let love be without hypocrisy. So Paul, the, these little short bursts of exhortation, saying we are to love one another. And, and I don't think that's a um, coincidence that Paul starts this section of exhortations with love because obviously that's what God has called us to, to love one another as believers but don't be a hypocrite about it. what's a hypocrite. You know, some people say, oh, the church are full of hypocrites. Well, a hypocrite, you know, th that Greek word, it's, it's an actor, right? It'd be somebody on a stage who had a mask. And so you, you wear this mask when you're interacting with other believers and you're all smiles. Oh, God bless you. I love you, man. And then on your way home, you're like, that guy's a jerk. I don't like, you know, you're just not being gracious, or maybe just in your heart, you're thinking, man, that person just irritates me, you know, in church. But you know what, the more, the church is kind of like a family. You know, the more you're involved with the one another, and the closer you get, 
you're going to rub each other the wrong way sometimes, right? Does, does that not happen in your family? I mean, I have a kind of a big family, you know, and we, we're in the kitchen, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen and, and, you know, somebody's waiting to get in that drawer and you're just standing there talking like, can you get out of my way? You know, I need to, you kind of irritate me. And I'll, I'll, we try to, we joke with each other and try to irritate each other on purpose. You know, it's like, oh, I need something in that drawer. Excuse me. You know, you know, they're trying to get in there, but we, we can irritate each other, right? We can rub each other the wrong way, but we're a family. We don't leave the family. You know, we learn to forgive. We learn to be gracious. Oh, you go first, really. Um, you were, you know, I prefer you. We're, we're kind to one another. And don't, don't just say you love someone. If, if you have an irritation towards somebody in the church, then that's kind of your issue, really, isn't it? That don't blame it on other people that, well, if they would just change. It's the same in any relationship. You can't change other people. You can't. You can only change yourself. So if that person's irritating you, you need to say, Lord, why am I ir- irritable? Because what is 1 Corinthians 13? Love is not irritable. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, so when I see that in my heart, it's like, Lord, what's going on? Fill me with your love. You know, Romans 5, 5, I think it is, says uh, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So to love people without hypocrisy, we need to be filled with the love of God. And then when we see that we have that lack of love, we need to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me and fill me with love for that person. So... Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, notice then the next verse, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. So these, this abhor evil clinging to good is kind of sandwiched in between two exhortations about love. So I always try to take things in the context. I don't think Paul's just saying, in general, in general abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Of course, that would apply in general. We're never to be okay with evil things. Uh, we're always to cling to things that are good. But I think it's talking more in the context of relating to one another and loving one another. And when you see that evil in your heart where you're not loving, because it is evil, see, we got to admit it's sin. If you don't admit it's sin, you can't deal with it. And again, don't try to blame that other person. Well, you, if you weren't so irritable, then I could love you. Or if you change, then I could look. No, no, you're not responsible to change the other person. You're responsible to change your heart, to take it to God. So when I see, again, when I see that lack of love in me, I have to abhor it. Take it seriously. Don't just excuse it. Just say, oh, I can't believe my heart just reacted toward that person like that. Lord, I abhor that. That's terrible. That's evil. You see what I'm saying? How we can excuse it? And then you're never going to change if you keep excusing your sin. So abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, why are you clinging to it? Well, because someone's trying to take it away from you. You're in a warfare here. You're trying to love people. You're trying to to do what's right. And and it's a battle. And and you're trying to cling to that good thing. And, and the enemy's trying to take it, the world's trying to take it, the devil's, but man, cling to it. Don't let go. 
Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Isn't that just a picture of being polite, being kind to other people? You know, certainly that should start in our own family, you know, and teach our kids that, right? We try to teach our our little ones, well, you, you need to say thank you. You need to say please. You need to let your brother or sister go first. You need to share. I think that's what Paul's talking about here. You know, we need to give preference to one another. But notice, you know, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. You know, Paul's not just saying, hey, have love for one another, but, you know, it needs to be brotherly love. You know, this, um, you think about, again, love in a family, that's the kind of love God wants us to have in, in the church. And, and to be affectionate to one another, what does that mean? Well, you need to express it. It's okay to give a hug, you know, it's okay to say, hey, man, I, I love you. You know, I, I, I don't know, for guys, that's kind of hard, you know, to say to another guy. There'll be times when I'm texting somebody and I just feel like the Lord says, you need to tell them you love them. I was like, I feel a little awkward, you know, about that. And and then like this literally happened to me the other day. And then like I look down at this verse and it's like, love, be kindly affectionate to one. Okay, I love you, bro. You know, but you got to put that bro on the end because I'm not just going to say I love you. You know, (laughs) I'm sorry, but (laughs) pray for me on that. I don't know. I love you, bro. It's kind of be you know a man thing, but but I do I do love him. I do I have that, but I I need to express it right. Husband, you know what what would say old joke? You know, honey, I love you, and if that ever changes, I'll tell you again. No, you, you we should tell our wives we love them every day. We should show affection to our family. But he's saying even in the church, you know, give that hug, give that handshake, uh, spend time with people. You know, pay attention to them. Okay, so we got to keep moving. Verse 11, not lacking in diligent, diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So again, we look at our lives in the context of the church, of living for the Lord, serving the Lord. Are we getting lazy? Man, isn't that a tendency? Like what God, what you've called me to, Am I really serious about this? You know, preparing for that Sunday school class, you know, signing up for for it, um, uh, waiting before the Lord in prayer to say, Lord, what is my calling? You know, what do you what do you have for me, Lord? Is ministry a priority in your life? Don't lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. That the original uh, Greek they say is like that's like a boiling pot of water. You know, you're you're. <laughs> You're so on fire for the Lord, it's like come to a boiling point. Serving the Lord. See, you're serving the Lord. You're not serving people. And so, you know, if we're if we're reading this, meditating on this, okay, Lord, am I doing this? Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Uh, you're not going to get all this on a Sunday morning sermon, right? You you should be in this for yourself, studying this, and then saying, Lord, am I am I lacking? Am I lagging in diligence, Lord? Do you think the Lord's going to speak to you? Of course he is. Yeah, you're, you're being lazy in this area for me. Well, Lord, will you just pour your strength into me? You think God will do that? You think he'll pour his strength into you, his diligence? Yes, he will. And that's what I see. This is almost like a prayer list. It's not a condemnation. God's saying, you're not diligent. Get to it. 
You know, no, it's it's God saying, hey, I want you to be diligent. That's only right. You should be diligent in serving me. Isn't it a joy like you go to a restaurant and you have like a, a diligent server and, and, and you're, it's just like, man, thank you so much. You're just so grateful. Like I was at a coffee shop studying with my daughter the other day and uh, she's here, so I won't embarrass her too much. But she was she was like just blessing me. Oh, what do you want, Dad? You want coffee? Is that coffee? Uh, she gave me something I didn't really like, and I was kind of like, "Well, it's okay. I'll I'll get used to it." She's like, "Well, Dad, but you know, do you do you really like?" It? I was like, "Well, honestly, no. I I really don't like it. You know, I don't like al- almond milk or whatever." And so uh, she goes, "Well, let me take it back." She takes it back, bring, brings me this wonderful, you know, cup of coffee and with the fancy stuff they put on top, like in a heart shape or whatever. And then this wonderful, like, thing to eat, almond roll or something. And it was just wonderful. You know, it's like, thank you. You know, I was, I was just feeling like I need, I was just in the word. I was just being blessed. When somebody's, like, serving you and they're diligent about it, you appreciate that, right? You know, I you know, I, I did. It's like, that was really a cool experience, you know. And so, but don't we want to be that way toward the Lord? Lord, am I... Do you want me to do anything differently, Lord? Are you okay with the way I'm serving you? Am I being lazy? Lord, give me that fervency that only you can give. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So in, you know, it's almost like, wow, we got to juggle all these balls, you know, the, keeping all these things in mind, Lord. But, uh, if you don't have the proper mix of these these truths going on in your life, you're going to get off track. If you start, if you quit rejoicing in hope and rejoicing in in tribulation, wait, what does it say? Patient in tribulation. So those those two are very important. So you're serving the Lord. You've committed to to serve the Lord, and then you realize how hard it is. And you're like, I've heard people say this. Well, if this is not what I signed up for, if it's going to be like this, you know, I'm just going to quit. Okay. Are you going to get the well done, good and faithful servant? You know, no, don't quit. You need to be patient in tribulation, rejoicing in hope. What does that mean? You're thinking about the reward. Man, there's heaven is waiting for me. This is where everything's moving toward, and I'm rejoicing in that. Sometimes we lose that, and then we get out of balance. We get confused in our service to the Lord, and we need to come back to that place of saying, oh, no, that's alive in my heart. I'm rejoicing in my heavenly hope, my heavenly reward, and when difficulties come, I'm just going to be patient in them because I know this isn't going to be forever. I know I'm going to a place where there's no pain. There, there's only rejoicing forever, being in the presence of the Lord. So I'm not going to give up in my service to the Lord because it's difficult, because there's tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Wow. I mean, just again, examine your life. When you lay down at the end of the day, say, did I have a time of steadfast prayer before the Lord? Lord, did I miss it somewhere? You know, because it says steadfastly, that kind of means, hey, every day, 
again, what it means steadfastly? Well, something's trying to move you away from that steadfast prayer life. Man, examine your prayer life. Ask the Lord. I mean, you know, I get convicted sometimes. Like, Lord, I don't feel like I'm interceding for others the way I should. Lord, help me. Again, we're always asking God for help. This isn't a condemnation. It, it's, a, it's a checklist to see where am I at spiritually. Lord, I want to have every single one of these things. I want to get an A next to it. You know, God's grading me. Great, good. You're steadfast in prayer. Keep it up. You're, you're not complaining. You're rejoicing. Uh, you're patient. And tri- oh, good. You got an A. So, um, Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Again, this isn't just for the pastor, right? Now, some of these things we may not do as an individual, but we do more as a church. You know, like I'll, I'll have people come to me. I've had this happen over the last month with, you know, several different ones where we have a, a fund where we can help people who are in need. And so we'll distribute to the needs of the saints. But again, as individual, we want to be open to needs around us and and to minister to those needs. Given to hospitality, that's a that's an important one. Or it says pursuing hospitality, and that may be just taking someone out to lunch or dinner. Hey, let me buy you a cup of coffee. You know, you're just hospitable. You're reaching out to other people. That's important in the church. It's very important. You know, this is something the Lord has put on my heart, and I've been praying for, Lord, help me how to do this better. And one thing the Lord showed me, you know, you can you can just go out to lunch with folks. You know, your wife, me and my wife take out another couple or, or another person and just have a time of ministry or, or have them over to our house. You know, pray about that in your life. It's very powerful and effective. Um, I know when we started going to Calvary Chapel Arlington, how the Lord really used that little church in our lives because there were some people there that were very hospitable, made us feel like part of their family, and a very important ministry. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So, do people ever persecute you in the, in the body of Christ? Can that happen? Yeah, it, it can. There can be, there can be hurts that occur in our, in our relationships. And so God is saying, I'm, I don't want you to curse that person. I want you to bless them, pray for them, <clears throat> pray for those persecute you and of course this would apply to those outside the church which is probably more what Paul's referring to here he's talking about our our relationships in the church and outside the church so we're going to see Paul addressing both of these things so again it's about us not being conformed to the world but doing things God's way according to the kingdom of God. And and as Christians, we don't retaliate for those who've persecuted us, but we pray for them. We put it in God's hands. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. 
Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. So that this idea of how we relate to other people, how, how we have good relationships with other people in, inside and outside of the church. And sometimes we can just get so focused on ourselves and we just want to talk about what we want to talk about. We're not really connecting with what that person's going through. And, and, and that's what a Christian is. More and more, we're getting outside of ourselves. We're learning to be more aware of the needs of others. And if somebody's rejoicing about something, we want to connect with them and say, man, I'm so happy for you. Man, I'm glad that... You know, and sometimes, but sometimes we're just oblivious to what's going on in the other person's life. We're just talking about ourselves. And maybe this person just got something really awesome that happened in their life and they want to share it, but you're not listening. And so we want to, we want to be wise. We want to be able to have better relationships with people around us where we're not so self-focused, but we're focused on them. And, 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 and same thing when they're when they're weeping, when they're depressed, when they're going through a hard time, that we're sensitive to that. And like, hey, man, what's going on? Uh, oh, can I just pray with you? I'm so sorry you're, you're going through this. You know, it doesn't mean we have to have answers for them all the time or just start throwing scripture at them. A lot of times it's just, man, I, can I just weep with you right now? Let's just cry together. You know, and guys, sometimes we're bad at that. It's like we always want to have answers and fix stuff. But, but sometimes it's not, it's not time for that. It's just weeping with them, rejoicing with them helps us to, to deepen our relationships. Be of the same mind toward one another. You know, have you ever met somebody who, if you say white, they say black? I mean, I, I, I've known people, just, not, just a couple people I can think of in my life where if I'm having a conversation with them, and it wasn't me personally, they do it with everybody, almost the first word out of their mouth would be, well, no, uh, this is the way it really is. And so, like, every sentence I've said in my conversation with you, you've said it's wrong. Why do I even want to have, I don't want to even be around you. You know, you're just criticizing everything I'm saying. And, and maybe, you know, maybe you are wrong, but... You don't always have to point that out with people, right? Or it's like the little, uh, the little kid in the class, you know, Sunday school class, uh, you know, who knows a lot about the Bible and is trying to correct the teacher all the time. And it's like the parent needs to, you know, teach them a little wisdom. Um, we need to think about our relationships with one another. It's not always about, you know, debating with the other person. Sometimes it says be of the same mind toward one another. You know, try to get on the same page with that people, that person. Try to have a relationship with them. You don't need to be correcting all the time. Am I saying you never correct someone? Yeah, of course there's a, a time for that. But that depends on your relationship too, right? You've you got to establish a relationship with the person to where maybe they give you the right to speak into their life. Uh, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Again, now this is, I think, Paul's list of how we're to renew our mind. And in the Roman world, and certainly in our day, you know, there, there can be people who 
well, you know, we just think we're too good to associate with this person. What do they have to give me? Um, I want to, I want to be around people who can just, you know, know more than I do. And I, I, you know, you don't know anything, so I don't, you have nothing to give me. So I don't want to hang out with you, associate with you. You know, that, that's just foolish because, you know, this, this person, God may be wanting you to, to, to pour into the life of this person, to love them. But if you have the wrong mindset about how you relate to other people, uh, you can miss opportunities. So don't be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. So, again, it's about having relationships with people and thinking about how they view the world. And I think this is also about building a bridge to unbelievers. You know, thinking about what they see as good, what they see as bad, and, and re respecting that, you know, with them. Don't, don't just shut them down uh, you know, with our, our message of the gospel without trying to see, you know, trying to understand how they see the world. And, you know, most people are sincere in their beliefs, even though they could be sincerely wrong, right? But we could at least be respectful and say, well, I, you know, I, I see how you view things and, I, you know, I may not agree with that, but I respect that you're, you know, you're trying to do the right thing. I think that's what Paul's talking about. Just have regard for good things in the sight of men. We can have, we should have unbelievers, uh, friends that are unbelievers, and and try to reach them, try to build bridges. If if it is possible, verse eighteen, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all the men. So, you know, some people are just aren't going to like us because we're believers, but we don't want to be the the person who causes the the conflict in the relationship. We want to be those who are the peacemakers. Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So the this idea of the way we interact with people, with the way we handle conflict, because we're living in the presence of the Lord and we believe Jesus Christ is the Lord of heaven and earth, then we're able to turn our problems over to the Lord. We're able to turn that conflict over to the Lord. We're not going to try to avenge ourselves. We say, Lord, you're, you're the judge. I give this situation to you. And that can be in, in small things. It can be in big things. It could be in a disagreement you have with your wife or a friend and just say, Lord, I just give this to you. You're the Lord of the universe. Uh, I'm not going to try to, you know, impose my will and get angry about this. But, Lord, you're in charge. See, that, that's a, a person of faith living in the presence of God. And, of course, that's how Jesus lived. You know, he, he would say, Lord, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Lord, my life is yours. I'm, I'm living for you. And even if people hate me and persecute me, I'm surrendering that back to you. Verse 20, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For so... For so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So fantastic scriptures to just meditate on and say, Lord, is that the way I'm relating to my family, to my friends in the church, to the outside world? I'm trusting you with all of my life, so you're going to bring justice. You're going to bring 
answers to prayer. And, and even those who do me harm, I'm going to turn around and do them good. You know, it says heap coals of fire on his head. A couple different translations or, or interpretations of that. One is, uh, you know, back in the day where they didn't have electricity, they would, uh, you could share the uh, coals, you would carry coals around in a basket and share them with your neighbor to start their fire. Uh, or this could be just basically making the feel, person feel guilty because now you're doing them good. They're feeling convicted for the fact that uh, you know, you're blessing them even though they did something wrong toward you. So a lot of good things to meditate on here, and let's just close in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for this list of challenges for our lives, Lord. And Lord, may we just examine our hearts today to think about the way we relate to other people. Lord, to think about our service toward you. And Lord, this is a high calling, but we come before you with this list. Lord, you're surely going to encourage us and empower us to live this way, Lord. And we just cry out to you, Father, that we wouldn't be lazy or lacking diligence or apathetic, but Lord, we would be pursuing you, pursuing relationships with others, believers and non-believers, trying to connect with other people and, and build bridges of, of love and ministry. And Lord, just convict us where, where we try to take vengeance, we try to take things into our own hands, we're not surrendering it to you. And so, Lord, as we, as we just open up now a time of ministry, Lord, that you would just empower us to exercise those gifts, to, to be led by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.